When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. As a listener of the show, we can tell you we are back in the Marvel Universe today, not Marvel Crisis Protocol. Though, you know, maybe some Marvel Crisis Protocol content here, Chris. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm feeling great, man. I'm excited to chop it up about this really just delightful show. That's right. And that show today we're talking about is Loki season one we think enough times passed now that we can talk about the show freely openly i will give you a spoiler warning when we get into spoilers which will be honestly very soon but we thought enough times passed that we can cover the show talk about its themes talk about what they did with loki and sylvie and kind of what it meant for the greater narrative of the mcu and i will say chris i think our spider-man no way home trailer first initial thoughts and discussion we had it's kind of a precursor to this episode so if you haven't listened to that Give that a listen because we do touch on Loki quite a bit there, but we try not to talk Loki-specific or adjacent things. We just try to talk about the way they're going with the MCU going forward, but we're going to do that now. We're going to talk about Loki in great detail. We didn't get to do this for WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier except just brief discussions on our episodes around that time, so we're kind of hoping we can just do a retrospective of our thoughts of season one of Loki. Life is finally allowing it. So we are here to take advantage, and I hope you all join us for the discussion. Of course, we say this all the time. Things like the Patreon can give us the room to do more content like this. Now you're back in town. The Patreon you know, is in full force. You know, We're getting there on there. And on top of that, we'd like to do something like this for every show that comes out from Marvel, even if it's just one episode. It's a retrospective of that particular season. So that's our goal going forward. It's not always going to happen, probably, but we're going to try our very best. Who knows? If the Patreon takes off and our schedules line up like they have been lately, Chris, we can make it happen. It can always happen for the right price, baby. (laughs) You've said that before, and I love it. (laughs) To quote Chris of the past, we can do this professionally if you make it happen for us, you know? (laughs) As in make us professional. That'd be cool. 
But not necessary. No, not necessary. This is additional content on top of the normal show. We're never going to break the format on the normal show, right, Chris? That's exactly what I was going to get to, was we are not leaving Crisis Protocol by any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, we are hoping to delve even deeper in this upcoming year. So no worries if that's what you're thinking. We're just trying to do more, just filling our plates too much. And we'll see what gets done. All right, Chris, before we talk about our glorious purpose and Loki, we've got some business to attend to real quick. Fury's Finest is sponsored by DiscountGamesInc.com. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support this show, Fury's Finest, at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show and enjoy content like this, consider supporting with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. And of course, Chris, we always mention you get to join the patron Discord community, which is the best Marvel Christ Protocol community on the internet. It's a great group of people, and we'd love to have you there. Unless you're going to come in and be negative. That's true. Don't come in and be mean. You can stay out. This week, of course, is a very big special thank you to Matt M. Matt, we appreciate it so much. Thanks, man. Thank you, Matt. It means a lot. Welcome to the Fury's Finest community. Of course, Chris, we've got to thank our Avenger-level producers that make these episodes happen. That's Zack Attack, Rusty, and Keith. Thanks, guys. All right, Chris, let's, let's go discuss Loki Season 1. Let's do it. So we're just going to jump right into the show. We're going to go through the episodes, and then we're going to talk about themes, ideas, things we liked, things we didn't like, all the above. Starting with the show, Chris, you know, they did a crazy thing at the end of Avengers Endgame. Loki, in Avengers 1, in 2012, steals the Tesseract and escapes, and thus nullifying the entire storyline we have of that Loki from 2012 to 2020, essentially. That particular run-through of time, because time is a flat circle, of course. Right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. For that glorious line. That created a a branch timeline. So, of course, that Loki that created that timeline by by meddling and and controlling the Tesseract there and escaping is now a variant. Because on the normal timeline, the the TVA-approved timeline, there is no escaping that. He always makes it to Thanos in every universe, and he always dies by Thanos. And I'm glad we're covering topics, Chris, in like the first couple episodes. This is good. Because they do do a lot of exposition in the show. You can't get lost in it. But it is very exciting because they had to lay this exposition to kind of lay the skeleton of phase four of the MCU. Honestly, there's so much exposition in the show. Sometimes it gets a little much, a little over the top sci-fi, Star Trek-y. You know, where Star Trek, they feel like they have to explain everything through science. Careful. And logic, right? Yeah, I know. Careful. I know. I'm I'm a fan as well, but Oh, are you? Yeah. Doesn't I, sound like it. <laughs> I'm a fan, I promise. <laughs> I've certainly had one avatar name at some point named Locutus. There you go. Yeah, you're kind of alluding to what we get into with Loki. He becomes a variant, he becomes targeted by the TVA, and we learn who the TVA are, which we've known who they are in Marvel Comics, but now they're fully in the MCU. They are the Time Variance Authority. They make sure all the timelines are going in accordance with what they think is correct and what they know, and this Loki broke that, so he immediately gets captured by them. We start meeting the TVA and their aesthetic, which I'm 100% for, Chris. Retro-futurism, buddy. 
it's all the good things that I like. But yeah, retrofuturism is always good. They all got Blade Runner ties, you know, it's so good. The feel is right immediately, you know, we're kind of plunged into this universe. We're giving all this exposition. So is Loki. So it's just a perfect opportunity for them to kind of explain the rules of the world, what the TVA is, what they're doing to Loki. He's lost too, right? And we're kind of just getting all this in the first two episodes. It's a lot. I would liken it to maybe some heavy, heavy bands that hit you with the wall of sound. This is kind of a wall of world building. And it's kind of dense. But, you know, I being nerds, and if you're listening to us, you're a nerd. Welcome. Sorry to have to break it to you this way. But I think you're cool. Like, you're you're a cool nerd. It's fine. (laughs) We're familiar with some of these concepts, you know. We think the Council of Ricks is a really fun thing, you know. It's true. And he was one of the writers on the show, by the way. Oh, I did not know that. Thank you. And he was a Doctor Who writer as well. So, we've got... I'm just going to say it right now. I think this Loki is... He's a Time Lord from Doctor Who. And also, we've got a lot of elements from Rick and Morty from all these other time storylines we've all come to know and love but also you know star trek there's a lot of good influences here chris honestly you know a lot of that has to do with the fact that these are all franchises or ips that have dealt with alternate dimensions yes so there is that common tie that binds there but yes they are aware of their their kind of film heritage here but it's it's great because it's already been explored in the comics so there's this massive group of people that already already know like and not only that but it's rooted in science there are other dimensions man like that's fact just is it's true but the tva in particular is trying to preserve the sacred timeline and you know in this first episode chris they talk about that a lot sacred timeline and we get a lot of introductions of a lot of characters alongside Loki, and they're kind of just, they're trusting you can follow along. I think it's great. We get Judge Renslayer in this. She plays a much bigger role later, but I mean, she convicts Loki of his crimes, right? And then we have one of my new favorite Marvel characters of all time. Chris knows who this is now. Agent Mobius, just because it's Owen Wilson, but no, not just because Owen Wilson. Mobius, he's an everyman character with an everyman humor, and it's a great foil to the Loki we know, right? But he's not just an everyman. like He's his own person, too. But he also is fixated on the thoughts that he has this his own glorious purpose, where he was created by the TVA to fulfill this one goal. And that's kind of his role in life. And live happily ever after at the end of time. Yeah. That's right. That's what they've all been told, right? So in this first episode, we actually have some really great scenes between mobius and loki and we get an entire retrospective of loki's entire story through the mcu because refresher for people returning to the mcu that maybe haven't seen some of those twos and threes of movies out there right look even for us it's really great mm-hmm. to have those pertinent scenes put in front of your eyes in context in the moment to really just bring those memories kind of flooding back Absolutely. And and not just, you know, the plot points that happened, but how excited you were in the moment with some of those, because a lot of those were very evocative of very fun portions of, of very good movies. <laughs> fun followed by tragedy, because Loki always fails. And that's the thing, Chris, like these scenes are so good. It just points out how good Hiddleston's been over the years, but also just they've given him such great material. You know, he's always risen and fallen and he's lost so many people in his life like they they of course harp on as they should one of the best parts of thor 2 him losing his mom all those scenes we have his relationship with thor 
And then, of course, it all ends up leading to him being killed by Thanos. And this Loki sees this. And Mobius basically says, see, this is your path. This is this is the way you always go. And you broke that. So now you have to help us with a mission because we are losing men and women left and right to a variant who is killing them. And we need your help, Mr. Sherlock Time Lord Loki, because that's what he is in this show. They're, t- they're pulling all the things. They're pulling all the tropes, which is funny because in 2013, I know the Doctor Who fans were clamoring hardcore to have Hiddleston cast as the new Doctor Who instead of Matt Smith. But then it was Matt Smith was cast after Tenet. Yeah, it'll it'll happen uh, eventually. And <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. And, and everyone will, so. will say that uh, Doctor Who is a Marvel-adjacent connected world. And he's a variant of some sort. They'll be right. Yeah, you're right. And they'll probably nod to it in the show, too. So, Chris, moving on to the second episode, we kind of learn some of the plot elements. We learned that the variant they're hunting hides in apocalyptic scenarios and world's ending. You know, it's one of those things. Loki figures it out. Loki figures it out, and he figures out the purpose for that is hiding presence of the variant alone in a non-doomed timeline that would would basically create a nexus event spawning a another timeline right by being in an area where no one survives that that sees him he can't really affect things he can't change any future outcomes on that particular run through of the flat circle absolutely and of course this episode ends in a great climactic scene where we go to 2050 alabama where there's a a a horrific storm happening at the not Walmart, but it is Walmart. It's worse. It's Roxxon. It's Roxxon, which we know Roxxon at the Marvel Universe. Bad things. I hate that guy. This is where Loki actually encounters enchanted TVA agents, and then he puts it together that this other Loki is enchanting them. The other Loki is speaking through them. Sylvie is revealed, or the female Loki in this case, and Loki follows her through a door, an open door. And that's how the episode ends. And it's just one of those things like Mobius, of course, he betrayed us. That's what Mobius is thinking at the time. But Loki's just like, he's following her. He's like, no, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to, you know, he's so intrigued. And they have a pretty good standoff too. And you, the audience is completely like engrossed, like what is happening? And we get the reveal of Sylvie. And let's talk about that. She's got the Roxxon cloak, which I think is awesome, on top of her kind of more green and black Loki gear. But then, of course, she's got horns, but one of them's broken. So there's a story there. And, you know, Chris, my first thought when I, we saw Sylvie was, oh, they're doing Enchantress in the MCU, finally. Yeah. You know, if you knew what to look for, it was it was very there. But yeah, I mean, look, man, I don't think it was... <laughs> a mistake that she came to Marvel Crisis Protocol. Right. Enchantress? Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think maybe the pandemic pushed back some of the, you know, kind of dual marketing, you know, kind of latching onto the movies. But yeah, man, 100%. Like That's that's a wild thought. I, I think if you go back to the episode where we first learned that Moon Knight was coming to Crisis Protocol, I think I even said, well, there must be a Moon Knight content yeah. coming. He must be coming to the MCU, and turns out I was right. (laughs) But also, with that, you know, they're just going to do characters that we might not see for a long, long, long time. They're going to do them way before that in MCP. In some cases, whenever it's kind of a character out of left field, especially a hero, I tend to wonder. Conspiracy theories. You said it in the Spider-Man episode. Blade's in the same box with Moon Knight, bud. He'll be here eventually, yeah. Blade will be. And so will his movie. 
I can't wait for that. I just I wait. legitimately cannot wait for that. I honestly think I'm watching Blade One after we're done recording. I mean, I think it's Phase Five when that's coming out, but probably, I, but I still, just, gosh, Marshala as Blade. I just can't wait. So moving on, Chris. Fourth episode. It's called the Nexus Event. Loki learns Sylvie's story basically in that she tells the story of how she escaped from the TVA as a child. You know, they actually form a bond before the moon they're on is destroyed because that's where they yeah. actually went to. And they've got a full episode of them learning who each other are before the moon is destroyed. Well, yeah, with a very interesting action set piece at the end of the episode oh, and man. a very excellently done continuous shot. Yes. It's continuous adjacent because yeah. they switched cameras. They had to. Too much going on. Too much going on. Too big of a too big of a set. But it is very cool. I like if nothing else, at least watch that that shot. But or I mean I mean ninety nine point nine percent of you have watched the show if you're listening this far in. It's true. Just pull it up, find it, go rewatch it, whatever you gotta do. It that that scene is very cool. Absolutely. So Chris, so much happens in the show every episode. It's absolutely insane. So also in this episode is when we kind of learned that Sylvie was enchanting one of the TVA soldiers, notably call sign C twenty, and they were having dinner at a tiki bar. This is one of those things where they're showing that maybe people in the TVA had a previous life. Maybe. And Sylvie kind of sells that to Loki, and Loki's like, that's insane. And this is kind of where they start the bigger, greater narrative, and Mobius starts asking questions, you know? But why did he say that's insane? I know. It's not insane to him. He's just he's just automatically believing what he was told about the TVA. His His naivety a little bit is a little bothersome every once in a while, if you really think about it. This is the guy that just got done leading an invasion of Earth. It's arrogance turned into confidence, you know, and it's kind of and it's part of it is I, I honestly I think it's his anxiety and his lack of self-worth, which this show is about him finding his self-worth and he stops stabbing people in the back quite literally to remain in control and feel, you know, well, we'll, we'll get know? to that. We'll but, get to that. But him and Mobius talk about that in the early episodes. Mobius is like, you stab that person, you stab that person. And he's like, and they actually have some really good heart to hearts where he's like, Mobius kind of breaks them down. I don't want to necessarily hurt people is what Loki says. I don't. It's just part of my nature, but I don't actually want to. Like, he's not a true villain where he gets enjoyment out of it. This is what we learned through this. I think, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves on this topic. It's just in a lot of their discussions early on, but yeah. It is, lot. it is, but it's it's just, we need to revisit it in talking about episode six. There's a lot there. Also in this Nexus event episode, we find out that Judge Renslayer has killed the TVA soldier who Sylvie was enchanting and basically revealing that she had a previous life. And Renslayer tells Mobius that C-20 died from a mental breakdown. It's not an issue. You know, when they actually pruned her, they killed her. And- Mobius finds this information. We got a lot of noir detective stuff here. Mobius figures it out. Oh, we're all variants. The TVA just controls us. The Time Lords were, were their peons, essentially. And so Mobius frees Loki from this point because we didn't talk about this yet, Chris, but they put Loki into a permanent time loop of him being beat up by Sif, which is great. It's directly after an extremely major event in Loki's life. It's yeah. him cutting Sif's hair directly leads to Thor receiving Molyneux. That's right. I mean, and for a guy that loves his brother so much that he wants to be his brother <laughs> and also... And hates his brother. Hates his brother for the fact that he's jealous of 
the adulation that his brother gets, Owen Wilson says it. He enables him to become the best version of Thor possible. And that is that is part of Loki's nature. But that's something that that is once again, we'll get to Loki's nature in episode six. You're right, though, Chris, but like they do nail a lot of Loki's nature in the show and kind of how he enables the heroes and villains around him greatly in a major way. And that's a really interesting part of his character. You know, he is, you know, he's rolling the rock up the hill, like we talked about, and it's always coming back down. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's why I love Darth Maul. We've talked about this before. He's always destined to succeed. And then, but there's always a breaking point and it fails and it affects other well, people. Which is see, there's a, there's a difference here. I know there's a big difference here. So getting back to Mobius, discovering their variants, Chris, very shocking. Renslayer becomes full villain here. Renslayer prunes Mobius right in front of Loki, as in he gets evaporated. It was tough to watch because at that point, we weren't fully aware of what pruning did. And oh my gosh, that was so, that was so shocking in that moment. But of course, you realize what's going on a a few, you know, however long it takes you to to put it together, depending on how you watch television, no indicator. Well, Agent B-15, through the help of Sylvie enchanting her mind and showing her previous life she comes fully out of it and she's fully against the tva which is awesome so loki yes. agent b15 and sylvie defeat renslayer and the timekeeper's guards and they make it their way up to the top to the time lords and sylvie throws her her blade and cuts their head off and realizes they're all droids they're all robots great reveal very fun good scene and the, the robots almost i mean really did look like a very, very high-tech Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. There was that animatronic quality to them that I think was very intentional. And I just, you know, shouts to Disney on that one. Uh, Feige, whoever. ILM, whoever did the effects, yeah. It's always one of those things. But, you know, in this moment of just surprise, Renslayer continues on her villainous spree, and she prunes Loki. And then our end credit scene of this episode is Loki awaking in a different realm surrounded by many other Loki variants, including alligator Loki. And that's how it ends. That's how the episode ends. Crazy. It was a great ending and it's a great episode. So this is going to bring us into episode five where we get to explore all these new, these new versions of Loki that were shown. And man, man. I just put yourself back in that headspace that week when you were just thinking about What's what is possible in this next episode of Loki? Where are they going to go? It's crazy. It's great. And uh, of course, the little Loki posse is full of very charismatic crate Lokis. Yes. Kid Loki, obvious. Uh, I've said it once. I'll say it again. They're setting up for the Young Avengers. Sure. It's coming. Get ready for it. And you're going to see that kid again. We have prideful Loki, which, of course, he has a smaller role, but he was great. And then we also have original Marvel Comics Loki, Chris, played by Richard E. Grant. I just, it was so good. It was so good. It really was fantastic. It was kind of insane. Absolutely was. This was one of those things, like, if you listen to our Spider-Man episode, these are more of those nods that Marvel's giving us, like, we'll do crazy stuff with the multiverse. And this particular situation... This is the original Loki. Like those stories are consistent and our Loki is a different Loki, right? And all those stories he did and he lived his life and he ended up living on a planet for many years by himself and kind of reflecting. And then he, of course, 
was pruned and put in the void and that's where he ends up. But it's just, it's a crazy thing that Marvel's telling us, you know, like anything is possible. (laughs) Classic suit and everything. Not only is it kind of, you know, comical when you see it. And I mean, of course we've got the, the alligator Loki there. We've, you know, it's especially in episode five, there is a lot of comedy to it. It is very, it is very, it's very star Wars comedy, very MCU comedy, Mm. but, I think the reason they brought in Richard E. Grant was for that scene when he rebuilds the illusion of Asgard. The very end. The very end. And what he did there from taking this 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 character that's kind of an interesting footnote, funny costume, mm-hmm. like tragic tale, maybe teaching Loki, our Loki, a little something, and he displays his power. Mm-hmm. And his performance is every bit as powerful on screen as it was to our Loki, Tom Hiddleston, that display there wakes him up. And I think that's the beginning of him waking up and breaking his nature. Not waking up, just... He's waking up this whole show since the first episode, right? I mean, yeah, I just don't like that term. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Yeah, coming to realize his power. I think maybe it's kind of a... But he's being jolted since the first episode, Chris, when when the TVA is using Infinity Stones as paperweights his core is being shredded as a character and then of course you say you see richard e grant with this immense power as the original loki and loki sees that too and actually gives him the courage to you know fight i think it's the beginning i'm pretty sure loki says this in in episode six but it's kind of the beginning of his journey of ending his own self-loathing Mm-hmm. That self-worth he's learning. Mm-hmm. He can break his cycle too. This tragedy, you know, he can, or even, you know, the mischief and the murder. And then eventually it ends in tragedy and he always fails. And, you know, he wins for a time that he fails. He's realizing too that, and they're telling us this story, not only through his characterization and his choices and his interactions with Sylvie, but they're also telling us through kind of the exposition of the story, <laughs> like mm-hmm. timelines and things can happen, but the TVA doesn't allow it. So you can't do it. And they're also, they're pushing him down too. You know, it's crazy, Chris. Now this episode it gave us President Loki too. You know what a it was yeah. short scene. You know, of course, Alligator Loki eats his hand, which is absolutely amazing. You know, Alligator Loki, he's he's one of my new number ones, Chris. As you know, he's just an off the wall, out of nowhere, and so well executed. Yes, it was well executed, and I think you said it well just a few minutes ago when you said that, that they're they're just kind of setting expectations for for this phase and this this multiverse phase of we're not afraid to just go wacky and kind of invent our own characters do what we need to do to keep things fresh and i think that's kind of a pleasant thing to see absolutely yes i mean new character like that being like alligator loki all the way to someone like sylvie who's a mix of multiple characters in the marvel comics like we've talked about lady loki Sylvie, Loki's apprentice. She's kind of an amalgamation of all those characters. That's good. But also, they're doing the same thing where they're like, Doc Ock from your cinematic universe is in our universe now from a different franchise. But also, we have classic Loki from your Marvel comics in your universe. And we kind of gave him a compelling story, even though there's only one episode. Because even Richard E. Grant said when he got called, he's like, oh, I'm playing old Tom. And they're like, actually, yeah, you're not. You're playing the first Loki. You're playing the classic Loki. Fulfilled Tom. (laughs) Fulfilled Tom, which is great. They're also making it clear that 
our Loki is very different from every other Loki. Right. Even the alligator Loki. They all have something in common. Our Loki is going through something different and he's not. And Sylvie too. But, you know, we'll get into that. Well, But this Void, Chris, you're talking about they could do anything? When there's things like the Thanos copter and the Void. That was so funny. And Kree starships that are destroyed in the Void. And, you know, we've got Frog Thor. As in mm-hmm. Throg, like in, in a jar, and Love they actually him. got Chris Hemsworth to do a little bit of voice work for the frog in the jar. They are saying anything that's possible, and get ready. I can't wait. But this, of course, leads to them defeating Eliath, which is cool to see Eliath on screen, because Eliath was always a thing, too, in the Marvel comics. Very well executed depiction. Loki and Sylvie enchant together, and Loki's like, I don't, I've never enchanted, I can't do it. And she's like, I can, and then you just watched... Richard E. Grant sacrificed his life and what he did by creating Asgard. Like you said, it kind of opens up Loki's magic even more. Well, he starts believing he can, so he actually yes. starts trying. Yeah. <laughs> he tries. And they actually, you know, enchant the creature, and the creature shows them the way to the Citadel beyond the void, which is where he who remains lives. And that leads into the last episode. Which is crazy. We've still got Renslayer on their tail. Notable mention from last episode we didn't talk. Mobius survived, right? He was pruned to the void. And then he he gets out, right? Like, he survives. He's like, I have got unfinished business. We'll, we will meet again, Loki. We'll meet again. But, you know, they have a nice send-off. It's good. They do. But let's talk about this last episode, Chris. It's called For All Time, Always. What a title. What a line delivered in this episode. And this is kind of the beginning of everything, like you said. This is why we keep talking about this is the beginning of phase four, but this is really kind of a new phase one for the MCU. And this is where it happens, right? I mean, they were hinting at this when Wanda became the Scarlet Witch, and I've got an Easter egg to talk about that a little bit later, but this is really where it happens, I think. Oh, yeah. This episode, it's so well executed. Just the direction, the acting, everything came together for this episode to create just one of the best endings to a to a television show I've seen. I mean, limited series shows are easy to have good endings, easier to have good endings than on something like, say, The Sopranos. But right, uh, just just very fantastic. And Jonathan Majors as he who remains, yes, just incredibly compelling. Yes, amazingly charismatic, a fantastic actor. I am so excited. To see him come into his own as Kang. Not he who remains, but Kang. This was his first go at it, and he's doing one of many versions, right? Yep. Which kind of gave him a license to play a a little bit. Well, and Chris, this is something you and I have talked about, too. Like, this is setting up Kang, right? Which we'll get into in a bit. But they could also be setting up just crazy things, like Rama Tut, you know? Which I have an affinity for, because I love everything Egyptian. And this is one of those things like this show was like, oh, you've got a villain coming who did crazier things than you guys did in this show with the timeline. And he did it multiple times. And he remains tells them this. So let's pretend we don't know anything about Kang. Let's just talk about when Loki and Sylvie encounter he remains in, of course, the Citadel at the end of time. He tells them that he ended a multiversal war between his variants by using Eliath he destroyed alternate timelines, he created the TVA, he maintained peace, and everything was good. That's what he's told them. He's also grown weary, though, and he tells them that you can kill me, because you made it here, if you really want to, but then that'll risk a multiversal war and breaking of the fabric of the universe, and then what will happen to the TVA? This is where it gets really interesting, Chris, because 
this is what the whole show's about. Sylvie and Loki both have a choice here, and we were there. Or do they? Are they are they playing out their destiny, or are they making their own choices through free will? And that's that's exactly right. That's what this show's about. And I think in a lot of ways, Tom Hiddleston represents free choice, and in a lot of ways, Sylvie represents giving into your you know destiny, yeah, your nature that that side of the conversation. And they truly fall in love in this show. And that's what's hard about this scene because Loki pleads with her to not kill He Remains. He goes, we know how this is going to go. We don't want this. And they fight. They eventually calm down. They kiss. And then she throws Loki through a TVA portal. Well, and that is the exact moment. How many times in Loki's, even just his on-screen presence? Yes, when anyone lets down their guard around him, that is when he betrays them. Yes. And he, for the first time in his life, <laughs> let his guard down for someone else, and she was not able to rise past that destiny, that nature. Like he had, I think, a lot in episode five with classic Loki giving us that display of power. Mm-hmm. And he delivers the line, I think we may be more powerful than we realized. Yes. Or something to that effect. And this is the culmination of that. This is him rejecting his nature, rejecting that destiny of betraying everyone Mm -hmm. as soon as they let him and growing past that. And it's, I'm very excited to see where they're taking him in this phase. I mean, he's growing into a hero in the best way, not even a stereotypical Marvel hero's journey hero. He's a different hero protagonist all these things and sylvie ends up becoming what she was always destined to be because she was hurt her entire life she was abused by the tva her entire life and she is even though loki helped change her mind and soften her and they truly fell in love and started having this relationship she gives into her ways or her destiny her urges like you said chris and because that's what she wants and that's or at least what she feels like she wants And I think that starts her on a villain path, potentially to become the Enchantress. I think she will be the Enchantress now. We will see. Yeah. But here's what's crazy about this. We have two facets of Loki now by two great actors that just compelled me this entire show, especially Sylvie. I'm going to be honest. And I don't think we've given her enough time on this episode. No, we we definitely haven't. But I mean, we've... (laughs) There's so much on the sh- the show, but I mean, they're the two leads, right? I mean, Owen Wilson's up there too, but I mean, they're the true two leads. Even Judge Renslayer plays a major part because this is what we get with six hours of time, right, Chris? Instead of two hours right. of time. It's great. Now, we see the timeline split. We physically see it because the Citadel sits on the timeline in space, in space time. We see it happen and it, we hear similar sound effects and music and things that we here when wanda becomes the scarlet witch they're telling us a lot of things here chris and you know smart people on on youtube have done this now where they've synced up the final episode of wandavision they've synced up the final episode of loki this is such a cool touch what what whoever in the production had this thought to make these line up but anyway go ahead and finish finish what you're telling saying here but i this i love this when wanda defeats agatha and she reveals that she actually has her full Scarlet Witch 
costume and powers in full force and agatha realizes this you can timestamp the episodes and play them simultaneous when that happens when you see the crown form on her head and you see her eyes turn to red fully finally that's when he remains says oh wait i feel something that i've never felt before i'm not ready for this i actually don't know what's happening next so the combination of loki and sylvie in front of him making decisions in their brains that they're making and then Scar- wanda turning the scarlet witch at the same time it's not by happenstance those timestamps are perfectly synced up well as we've mentioned wanda is incredibly powerful yeah. when she's unlocked her powers like this and we <laughs> you know that He's done such a good job of keeping the timeline free mm-hmm. of these things happening. Right. But of course, now he's gone. Well, and, and what's just interesting, like, that he senses that, you know, before they even take him out. Like, he's sensing... Oh, an awakening to that. It's, you know, there's a disturbance in the force. Exactly. Man. Sylvie's in her mind, Loki's in his mind, and then Wanda's becoming the Scarlet Witch, and there's things happening in, you know, the timeline that are about to happen, or that are currently happening, you know? And he's not... He doesn't even know. And it's crazy because they're telling us a lot that they're willing to do, but they're also telling us we're willing to do whatever, too. <laughs> we're breaking open this multiversal world. And, you know, He Reveins gives us a lot of exposition, Chris, to this is what's going to happen if you do this. And also, you don't want my other variant. You don't want to deal with him. I promise. And Sylvie doesn't care because she's worked for her whole life for this. That It's all been for this. And she can still love Loki and even understand some of his reason but she's still going to fulfill this destiny you know and does this mean one day we might have full fully powerful enchantress versus fully powerful scarlet witch i don't know i think it's a good idea i think it's a really good idea i don't know what they're gonna do i have no idea but i'm ready i'm excited because i love these characters man and i love what they did with them and i love how they unlocked loki's power sylvie's power wanda's power even vision's power in a different way you know no spoilers here but it just makes you wonder, was it Wanda or was it something else maybe yeah. that we're going to explore in the Eternals? You never it's know. Kind of, kind of what I'm thinking. I honestly think it's a lot of things simultaneous because I think even Loki and Sylvie being in front of him, that's never happened in the universe before. That's true. But I, I think there's knowing Marvel, there's there's something there's someone that snapped their fingers or came to consciousness and the ripple blah 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 well the real thing of this chris that we haven't even talked about yet i'm really proud of us for not talking about it is the ripples have happened so now there's probably mutants in the world well i mean clearly this is their in that scene at the end where they're in the tv which by the way the tva changing post yeah he who remains being killed because loki gets sent back there from sylvie he does no one recognizing him (laughs) not even mobius not even Mobius, and the statues have changed, and it it is Kang. Yeah. And we are in, Oof. you know, the timeline. It's a new timeline almost, or the timeline has changed. Yes. Is, is a little bit more apt. But they're in kind of this red alert because He Who Remains is now dead. The TVA is, is in chaos and shambles of sorts, it seems, and there are timelines going off everywhere. Yes. Like new branches coming off this timeline. And this is clearly their in. And this is clearly what's in play with uh Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. Now it's it's open up. This the sacred timeline is not the only one and everything is going to branch off. So this is their in for bringing the X-Men in because they're doing it already right. with Spider-Man. They've done it already in a way with Quicksilver and WandaVision. 
Yes. In a way. In a way. So a disappointing way for me. Sure. But But I actually think there's probably more to that story too. We don't know. I think there will be. I think Get there Evan will Peter's be. Quicksilver back as a, a Quicksilver. Yeah. But they have to they have to bring things along slowly. Okay. But yeah, what I'm getting at is yes, this is clearly kind of the end for the mutants most obviously. But getting so multiversal, we're going to be dealing with the Eternals. It's just odd. It's also clear that we're leading up to the Fantastic Four. Yes. As you've said in previous episodes, and maybe this one as well. You know, Franklin is a, Franklin's a mutant. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Sort not, of. Not technically right now. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. I'm still mad at Dan Slott about it. But <laughs> it seems too obvious. I really feel like they're going to swerve us here somewhere along the way in phase four. It's just too obvious. But of course, how apt. It's phase four, Fantastic Four, of course. It'll be the very end of it. Yeah. I do mean the bringing in of the mutants for phase five. It just seems too obvious. Yeah. I feel like they should save it for post-Kang, they will. almost. I think they will. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. And that'll also let the memories of the other the Fox franchise uh, films kind of fade a little bit, let the memory of the fact that they've even got access to the X-Men fade a little bit, and then it'll, it'll be perfect. You'll get that Britsburg pop, that CM Punk coming back pop. But you're, you're talking specifically, which I agree with, you're just talking about the general public's memory and- exactly right. not us yeah super x-men fans where it's like the the collective the cl- the group unconscious if you will absolutely i can't wait for kang can't wait for ramatut all these things i'm ready to see kang's variants like I, i'm very excited chris by the concept that he's going to come and play multiple versions of himself and different iterations different costumes everything just opening things up for jamie madrox let's be honest multiple man okay he's going to take over the mcu that's phase five. You have been talking about multiple men for a long time. Maybe that's phase eight. Invert the eight. Inf- infinite. Yeah, that's a ways out. Six will be the Thanos conclusion. Seven will be the beginning of the next major event. Chris got it all figured out. I like this. And multiple man takes over the universe in phase eight. And phases eight through, I don't know, 34, 35 are just multiple man running everything. Meanwhile, they'll just be peppering Spider-Man movies throughout to keep their money their money <laughs> to high. keep the profits <laughs> keep up. the profits up and there's a reason they cast tom holland like at his actual young age it's, it was genius the first time it's been done in spider-man movie history always one of my biggest complaints of the previous two franchises was they cast peter at an older age but they pretended like he was still origin story peter 15 16 mistakes were made i know everyone in the cw is older than college age but they're playing high schoolers always it's a mistake. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's like, you're like 28. It's dismissive of uh, actual, you know, teenagers acting ability and- That's so true. Perception and smarts. Those those kids are so much smarter than and more intuitive than people think. More talented, more capable. You're right, Chris. In a lot of ways. And in some ways, they're less capable than people think. And all this multiverse stuff, you know, piggybacking off of our last Spider-Man episode, I still have hope for like older characters- of characters we have, like like we got in Spider-Verse, where we got Peter Parker in his 40s, you know? Things like that. I'm very interested in storylines like that in the future. I don't know what they'll do. The doors are being opened, quite literally. We're being told it. But I'm glad you talked about this, Chris, because it is one of those things, like, I've talked with some of my, my friends who are not super nerds like us, but they see everything in MCU because they enjoy it, and that's kind of their introduction to comics, honestly. And they'll be like, yeah, that Loki show was really great, but it was kind of confusing for me. 
I've heard some of them say that. Well, of course. I've heard other ones say they followed everything completely fine. It's just one of those things. It does require a lot of your attention. And we do live in a modern world where attention is an issue. But also, I think it's just, it's very heady, you know? It's 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 very, like, sci-fi exposition sometimes. And I'm glad that's over with because I'm ready for season two where we get to focus on more of the story and the characterization. Like the best episodes of this had, you know? With less of the TVA... He remains, all this exposition. We kind of know the gist of it now as a general public, you know, and we can kind of build onto it and start sneaking Kang in every, every, every little bit, you know, sneak him in certain places. Oh, he's, he's going to be there. Don't worry about that. Oh, Ant Man 3, he'll be there. Quantumania. I think they've already confirmed that, actually. So I don't know if that's be his first appearance, but he'll be there. And Chris, last thing I asked about Kang, I think if they went not CGI Kang, I would be. Very happy. I want to see that helmet. Definitely the helmet. I want to see a real helmet. I want to see that suit. I want to see a real suit and real helmet is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it'll be a real helmet with uh, some computer added, like... uh, Effects on it. Yeah, some some, some embellishments. But I actually want his face, you know? Absolutely. Thanos, it was necessary, obviously, and they just killed it. I think they have a unique opportunity with Kang to make him... To lean into that, you know, make him less of a big CGI character, make him more just human, you know, take it back to Star Wars, Star Trek style, you know, just get some really talented people to work on the costume and the prosthetics and stuff. Well, I mean, they've been knocking it out of the park. I just restarted Mandalorian and just oh yeah, the costumes and the sets. I mean, it's the same. It's the same, same people in charge, man. I know. Get Favreau everywhere. It's true. The man gets it. He gets it. And he's in the MCU. It's great. He's he's living life. I love it. Yeah, this was a great discussion about Loki, Chris. I'm I'm really, you know, we could have talked every episode for this length and maybe in the future on shows when we have time and, you know, things like the Patreon locked in, like we can do that. But like, this was just fun to do a episode about the season, you know, I'm, I'm still bummed we didn't get to do this for Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision because they were really compelling on their own as well. And I'm looking forward to the shows, man. I'm Hawkeye's next. I'm so in. Hawkeye's next. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I'm all in. Passing the torch, all that. I think it'll be good. I can't wait. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. To become a patron of Fury's Finest, please visit patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Of course, you can find us all over social media. We're on Twitch at Fury's Finest. Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest and Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast. If you have any questions, email us at Fury's gmail.com and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. But if you have another podcast app and you leave us a review there, it means just as much to us. Oh, it sure does. And thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please, guys, rate, review, and subscribe. It really, really does help a ton, especially now that we're trying to kind of delve into some MCU-type stuff that might might be, um, you know, a good jumping-on point for some, maybe. I don't know. Just a thought. No, I agree, Chris. Like, share this with your family and friends who maybe don't play MCP, but you want them to consider looking at MCP with you. But even if they don't have any intentions of playing MCP... Send them these episodes if they you know, want to hear Chris and I just nerd out about the MCU. I think worth it if they're interested in learning more about the MCU or uh, how right or wrong we are about things in the future. Because we will certainly be right and wrong about a lot of things. I'm always wrong. Not always. Nah, I'm pretty good. I'm still pretty uh, smug about my theories about the spider villains. I've just been saying it for years. You nailed it. You nailed it. Well, it's the safest route to tie things together. And then when that happens, you can do more ambitious things. 
it's it's truly tying a little bow mm-hmm. on all these other movies. We don't have to just ignore them anymore. Well, and without them, we would not have the MCU, right? It's true. It's true, and and we do owe them that Spider Man in particular for sure because it just that's it, very it true. Changed. Kind of was a Star Wars moment, Chris. It changed movies. Like the money it, it did made. Change movies. Yeah. The summer blockbuster. It became a new amalgamation of the summer blockbuster. It was crazy. So, but of course, you can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's E A K I N. And I have a Star Wars show called The Canon Cantina. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T, or I tweet. It's it's very true. I don't lie. Well, we hope you enjoyed another MCU episode of Fury's Finest. These are really fun for us to do. And we can just leave here by saying, Chris, that uh, Alligator Loki is the best character in the MCU. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. World has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything will surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 